Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode number 106. And today we are talking about the new normal food manufacturing in the time of coronavirus, doing your food safety so that you can still execute um, food safety planning um, with pandemic disease, guys. This is what we're going to be doing probably for a long time. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Today's episode of the podcast, I'm super excited to be here. We have a very important podcast today and a ton of stuff to cover. Uh, and I want to encourage you, if these are the sorts of things that you like, one is to share the podcast, two is to review the podcast, and three, we have Food Safety University. It is open for enrollment right now. You can um, come and become a client of Dirigo Food Safety. We do these, um, I got some questions this week from people who are enrolling about how Food Safety University actually works and basically the idea is is you buy a site license for your business and you are a member of the community forever <laughs> like as long as the the business is going you know uh, you get a new employee next year we will enroll that new employee and certification classes, no extra cost at all. Uh, my goal with this, folks, is to bring certification courses and um, documentation into reach for everybody who thinks it's too much and like too much work, too much effort, too much time, too much money, because this is like seriously the best thing out there for people who are scaling their businesses and know that they need to get this stuff done. Um, and it is you do enroll your whole entire company you got 20 people i'll send you 20 i'll send you 20 HACCP certificates if provided everybody does the homework <laughs> all right so and you get another 20 people in six months well we'll just do it all over again so uh that's food safety university head on over to uh dirigofoodsafety.com food safety university and you can find out all about it Today's episode is incredibly important. I want to give everybody a chance to like go and get to their pens and paper because this is um, uh, one of these episodes that you're going to want to take notes. So if you're driving, come back and listen again. <laughs> All right. Um, but you are definitely going to want to take notes on this one. And we're going to supply, we're going to have um, some extra like information and stuff, um, some FDA guidance. They've come out with some really good guidance and refined it over the past about six weeks that I've been keeping an eye on about how to run a, man a food manufacturing plant in the time of coronavirus. Uh, and I want to point out that this isn't our last epidemic disease, guys. So this is a skill set that you're actually going to need to learn. And what we're going to do today on the podcast is to take that six-step framework that I covered a couple of podcasts ago, I think it's in podcast episode 103, which I think you're going to hear me refer to a lot, which were those six steps of solving any problem in your facility. Form a team, describe the problem, describe whom you are solving that problem for, describe how you are going to solve that problem. 
then you actually implement the solution and then you do like you take a look at what you did and, and apply continuous process improvement. Those are the basic six steps. You can listen to that podcast for more. <laughs> and we are going to be updating our coronavirus and pandemic disease uh, SOP and putting that up in Food Safety University next week. So for those of you who are members, you'll be getting, um, you'll be able to see the new SOP over there. Uh, and it will include a lot of the references and things that I that I use uh, today. Okay, so then let's just let's just start at the beginning. So we always start, as I say, with the idea that food safety is a team sport. So when you're thinking about our current coronavirus crisis uh, and potential future epidemic diseases, I want you to think about who you need on your team. Now, just because somebody is on your team doesn't mean they're an employee. It just means people who you are referencing, who you go and get information from, who you have vetted and trusted as a source. Because a lot of you, and, and, and I mean, I would say in the SOP itself, as we're in the process of rewriting this, your state epidemiologist is an incredibly important part of your team. So like your state CDC, the federal CDC, um, any county public health people, you're going to want to have their contact information. You're going to want to, you know, um, be able to reach out to them and establish contact with them and, and have and know what resources are available at the local and state level for your business so that you can, so, so that you can make an informed decision, right? You are more than welcome to name me on your coronavirus team um, and use this and other resources and Food Safety University if you're a member um, as part of your coronavirus response. That's one of the reasons I'm in business, right? <laughs> uh, and there, um, and and because you know, like I'm I'm a public health veterinary practitioner. I'm a I am a legitimate source of legitimate source of information on uh, pandemic uh, zoonotic diseases. Remember, zoonotic diseases are diseases we catch from animals, which is uh, coronavirus. <laughs> and so, I want you to think really carefully about who's going to be on your team, um, uh, because your team is going to be like, and there are people. For who you will be like employing that are on your team. So you need somebody in executive management. You need somebody who's on the floor, guys. You need somebody who's willing to tell you the truth about what's happening on your floor. You are going to need um, people who are um, on your social media team because if somebody tests positive and you have to close, there are going to have to be social media statements. You are going to uh, need your sanitation crew. Like, start thinking about those people. Now, I will tell you that sounds an awful lot like the food safety team. And what I would say then is, is you might just want to have, like, a, if you're big enough, have a subcommittee from your food safety team or just assign the task of developing this coronavirus SOP or reviewing the food safety university coronavirus SOP and making it applicable to your own situation. Yeah, you might just want to like do that as as your food safety team, okay? And that's totally that's that's completely appropriate and and totally fine, okay? So that's that's forming your team. 
Okay, so then the next thing that we're going to talk about is describing the problem. So when we think about coronavirus and pandemic disease, it, the, the, the description of the problem can feel super overwhelming. And I get it. But when we zoom into overwhelm, it's uh, because we're like afraid of failing at solving this problem. And this is one of those things that this is such new territory. It is likely that just um, giving your best effort to solving the problem is likely to be better than doing nothing. There are some things where, you know, it's not better than doing nothing. This is not one of those. This is not one of those cases. Okay. And so the, the description, so, but then we've got to take that, you know, we're not solving coronavirus, guys. We are solving how to operate your food manufacturing facility in the presence of coronavirus or other pandemic diseases. Okay. You already have some of this information. People are already not supposed to come to work sick. Okay, so that's all written in your in your personnel um, folder, right? In your in your personnel um, SOP. So there's that part of it, right? Then um, what? But what we're going to do is is we're going to talk about what what extra measures and things that you are going to need to think about. Okay, so. So from an employee health perspective, have you, I want you to go, go look up the COVID-19 assessment and control plan from the CDC and OSHA, because this is one of those things where there's OSHA implications um, kind of combined with the CDC and the FDA. So there are three different sections um, that you're going to need to take a look at. And we'll put, we're, I'm going to put those links in the episode notes on the podcast. Okay. Um, and those will, the FDA like updates these, um, updates these things. Okay. In our coronavirus SOP, um, we have ways to do assessments of employee health. We have what to do, um, if an employee gets sick at work and and um you guys have to start like notifying people which is why i need you to like understand like figure out who you would actually notify please don't be figuring that out when somebody says hey boss i've got a positive test um all right um and then the other thing that you're going to have to think about from your employee's perspective is when you are are when you are in the shutdown, if you have to go into a shutdown phase and then a reopening phase, how are you adjusting to that? Okay, do you have water that's going to be sitting that you need to flush out? Do you have sewage that's going to be, you know, or like sewer lines, septic lines or whatever um, with dead ends or even an industrial park with, with sewage dead ends? Um, I had somebody who had fail, who failed a water potability test because of that, right? Um, depending on what temperatures you keep your water we need to worry about mold we need to you know there may be some level of flushing out the system that you are going to need to do uh, okay um so you've got you've got all of that um that you're gonna that you're gonna have to start thinking about you're gonna have to assign people to increase sanitation Right, but I want you to think about what happens if it's the sanitation crew that gets sick. Okay, um, 
And then, of course, from a personnel perspective, you got to talk about social distancing. Like, is your facility set up in a way that people can socially distance, wear masks at work, or otherwise be safe at work and not be sitting right on top of each other? Okay, in local food, this is usually pretty doable and that's pretty good. Um, but you got to understand how people work in your environment and what you can do to make sure that you're shifting people around, you're having people go on breaks, you're having people take enough breaks when they're around people so that they can like wash their hands. Um, and you've got to give them some mental health breaks so that they can like go outside and take their mask off and remember what it's like to breathe without a mask, right? So those are some of the things that I want you to, uh, to be thinking about because you are solving this problem primarily for your personnel. Like you're solving it for society as a whole, but it's your personnel that we've got to really worry about. So the focus of your efforts are going to be how can people work safely in your facility, right? And that's what the rest of the, of the, the podcast is going to be about, okay? Um, I want you to ask yourself, do you have procedures in place that what for what happens if somebody um, gets sick at work, um, including isolation procedures until somebody can come get them or the ambulance can, God forbid, the ambulance come get them, okay? What do you do? What do you do if somebody does get, um, get sick at work? If you use, I, I do have a lot of clients who have um, people who are, um, who, who, carpool, for lack of a better way of doing it, what do you have to do? Plan now and plan first for those car for, for alternatives to carpooling and ways to keep people, um, ways to keep people healthy. Okay. Um, do you have worker contact information that should all be in your HR files? So who their emergency contacts are? Do you have cleaning and disinfection procedures if somebody does have coronavirus and you got to go and you got to do a deep clean. Many of you are already doing deep cleans right now. Do you have a next level deep clean for when somebody turns positive? All right. Do you have um, a, a, a way to do exposure investigation and testing in conjunction with your public health officials, in conjunction with your state center for disease control? Okay. Um, and do you have ways to identify close contacts so that you can work with those people? There are a lot of us who work with people who don't speak English as a, as a primary language. Your CDC may not speak another language besides English. Do you have translators available? Are they medically appropriate translators? And are they not children? Please do not use your employees' children as translators. That is morally and ethically wrong for a number of reasons. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you have then do you have a plan for when people are exposed so if somebody works in your food facility and their um and their spouse is a nurse and that person comes home and you know nurses are of course a really high risk occupation what are you doing uh what are you doing about that okay so that's kind of some of the questions you got to think about about for your people all right there'll be way more information in the sop that we're rolling out on food safety university Okay, then I want you to think about your workplace environment and where are the choke points, all right? Many of you have already looked at your, your facility and I want you to then look at your, um, your choke points and your bottlenecks. 
hallways, hand wash stations, boot washes, uh, donning and doffing, um, bathrooms, <laughs> right? Uh, and what can you do to configure and let people go on break so that we're so that we have the best chance at social distancing? Can you increase ventilation without harming your product and increase um, air changes per hour? Um, and what can you do to rotate people so that you're utilizing and maximizing your space? And how are you telling people how to do this? Are you communicating in a language that they understand? Okay, so then, so that's your people, that's your uh, facilities, and now let's talk about your process because that's what we all talk about. So if we take this from a HACCP-based perspective, I need you to go into your HACCP plan and figure out if you've had changes to ingredients and suppliers or anything changing in your approved supplier program because of um, supply chain disruptions because of coronavirus. Have you had changes in your food products or your packaging configurations? Are you doing direct-to-consumer now where you were doing direct-to-wholesale um, and you need to modify your HACCP plan? Did you go back? You might still be reading, meeting your critical limits, but if you're doing retail packaging and retail labeling now instead of wholesale packaging and wholesale labeling, that is something that requires a HACCP plan um, reevaluation. You may not change anything, but you best be documenting that you went back and you looked at your HACCP plan. Okay. Do you have any operational changes? Those always require a review of the HACCP plan. All right. Um, do you have substitutes for roles and responsibilities? If, if your QA person gets sick, who's going to step in there and make sure you're meeting your CCPs? Um, right? These are questions that you really have to ask. Do you need to go back and look at your risk analysis for your incoming supplies um, to understand what you're going to do and what your substitutes may be? Um, and do you have any changes that you need to make to other good manufacturing practices? Do you have people who are buying from you more who may be at more vulnerable or at-risk populations and you need to um, you need to step up your game in terms of um, how you do care and control around things around Listeria um, in your ready-to-eat facility, okay? So there's a whole set of things around how you are, um, how you are, are, are going about deploying your HACCP system as well. You know, um, when you're in production, are people sharing knives? Can you buy more knives so that people don't have to share them? Um, you, you know, and, and we, in food manufacturing, we don't do a whole lot of single use, but the stuff that's going to be reused, are we, are you taking precautions so that the people aren't exposed who are there washing because that's potent, all potentially contract, contact, you know, you got 60 knives going into the dishwasher and one dishwasher that one dishwasher can be at risk, all right? And uh, you need to take that into consideration, all right? So we've got people issues, we've got facility issues, and we've got process issues, all right? And you need to address all three of those areas when you're looking at how you are gonna do this. And then what you gotta do is you gotta go do this. And you've gotta watch, folks. I want you, when you make a change, you gotta go make sure people are keeping up with that change. This is not a bit ass. You have to do this for everything, right? And you gotta do it for coronavirus. And then you take that information and you do continuous process improvement. Okay, if your coronavirus team is not meeting at a minimum twice a month, you're probably not meeting enough. If you are not assessing what's going on with your supply chain, with your demand chain, all that good stuff, at least every other week, you are falling behind. 
Alrighty. That's what we got for the podcast today. You were all completely amazing, wonderful human beings. I love you all very, very much. Stay safe out there. Please do be sure to ask questions. I am here for you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.